0: I was going to set my timer, but I can't find it. So I guess you all are out of luck. I'll just quit when I'm done. Hallelujah, Father. I want to continue um, with the trail that we started last week. We're talking about being blessed. The blessing of God is, if not the central theme, one of the most fundamental themes of the Bible. And uh, last week, we started our exploration of what it means. We're nowhere near done because it is such a massive topic. But I want to go over a few verses that we use to establish the fact that in, as believers in Christ, we are beyond the reach of the curse. Boy, I wish the whole world could hear that. I want to say it again. As believers in Christ, we are beyond the reach of the curse. Now, you can be disobedient, you can lack faith, but if you're in Christ, you cannot be cursed. And these are the verses, all in Galatians chapter 3, that we use to establish that fact. And you know, before I read these, I want to say, there's enough power in any given verse to change your life. You don't need to memorize the whole Bible. It would be good if you did, but all you need is faith in one word, one word. There's a story that you've heard me share before, and this is not a rabbit. It's too slow moving for a rabbit, but I'm going to chase it. Years ago, I heard a story about, how many of you ever heard of this little known preacher named Joseph Prince? He's struggling, but someday he'll make it joseph was preaching on identity and he made reference to as he is so are we in this world now that's not a verse that has to do with healing that's a verse that has to do with identity but every verse of god is pregnant with the power of god every word that comes forth is not void of power a woman that was sitting in the congregation who was suffering from cancer in both of her breasts. Heard that verse, and she had an aha moment. And she asked the Lord a simple question. She said, Lord, if I am in this world, even as you are in that world, my question is, do you have cancer in both of your breasts? And of course, she knew that Jesus is not suffering from breast cancer. So in her mind, she made a decision. If in this world I am even as he is, then if he is cancer free, so am I. Because as he is, so am I in this world. And that's not a healing verse. But see, listen, let me. everyone look me in the eyes. All you need is faith. Because every word that God speaks has the power to transform your lives to take you from you are not doomed to mediocrity god did not save you to make you miserable your life can be transformed by the power of his word and all you need to do is believe it she believed it and on her next visit to the doctor the doctor was amazed because not one but both breasts were cancer free in fact there was no trace of cancer anywhere in her body Well, she decided to write a letter to her pastor. Her pastor shared that testimony. Suddenly, women across, now you understand, Joseph Prince has a multi-thousand member church. Across the congregation, many women began to testify that they were getting healed of cancer. Because they knew if God will do it for one, He'll do it for everyone. And so suddenly many were healed. And then they started, the healing started to spread from cancer to other things, all based on even as He is, so are we in this world. So I'm going to give you enough verses this morning that if you'll believe just one of them, your life will never be the same again. So the first verse we used was this Galatians chapter 3, verse 9. And we know this, if it's written, then our uncertainty. Don't ever wonder about if it's written, is it real? I'm going to preach a sermon again someday. I preached it once before, but there are no ifs in the will of God. Just yes and amen. Galatians chapter 3, verse 9. So then those who are of faith might be blessed. So then those who are of faith are present tense that means yesterday you were blessed it doesn't matter what you experienced doesn't matter what you went through yesterday you were blessed today you're blessed tomorrow you'll be blessed so those who are of faith are blessed with abraham the believer then verse 13 christ redeemed us and i love this You know, I I said this last week, so many people, they they relegate redemption to a get-out-of-hell-free card. But the Bible doesn't say Christ redeemed us from hell. Is that part of it? Well, of course, because hell ain't a blessing. He redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree then of course the very next verse in order that you see that in order why do he hang on a tree in order that well let's keep reading in order that in christ jesus the blessing of abraham might come to the gentiles can you see where religion is absolutely watered down the truth of the gospel of jesus christ He hung on a tree to redeem us from the curse in order that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You've heard me say it so many times, you're probably sick of hearing it. But the purpose of redemption is the restoration of creation. To make all things according to God's original plan. God never changed His plan just because man messed up. God can't change His plan. Okay, another rabbit. It just ran across the room. (laughs) If God is perfect, how do you improve perfection? How do you change perfection? You want to know why the Bible says, I am the Lord and I changeth not? Because you can't change one who's perfect. The imperfect can be changed. When they come out with a new and improved tide, you know what they're telling you? The old tide was insufficient. Couldn't quite get the stain out. So they had to fix it, so they come out with a new and improved. God has never been new and never been improved because He is sheer perfection. You can't change perfection. Perfection never grows weak. Perfection never grows old. Perfection never grows impotent. So He changeth not. His promises never change. His plans never change. Which is why the Bible says of Jesus that He was the second or the last Adam. Why? Because God is saying, you remember that first Adam? He messed it up, but I didn't change my plan. I'm sending you another Adam who will fulfill the plan. All right, so if we are blessed through faith, then it's of faith. And if it's of faith, I don't need any externals. In other words, I don't need to wait to see my environment change in order to believe I'm blessed. Because it's of faith, not of sight. I can believe I'm blessed when I'm driving a jalopy. Do you all even know what a jalopy is? Anyone in here ever driven a jalopy? You can be blessed when you're driving the jalopy. You can be blessed when your body aches with pain. Because it's not about externals, it's about His Word, because it's of faith. Is this okay? And so because the thing is believed is based on the word of God, nothing else is needed. All I need is the word to tell me I'm blessed, and that becomes my mindset and my confession. I'm not blessed to do I'm not blessed due to where I am. Is this okay? I'm giving you some word this morning. I'm not blessed based on where I am. If we don't understand this, we end up chasing prosperity. And the church is no different than the world. Most people are busy chasing prosperity. That's why they move from this city to that city, from this church to that church, and seldom, if ever, ask God, Where do you want me? See, we need, as a church, we need to learn to be spiritual and not emotional. So I'm not based due to where I am, I'm blessed due to who I am a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, who we are is blessed. Who you are is blessed. How you live may not be. In Daniel chapter 4, we read the story of a king, and not just any king, a great king. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. Y'all ever heard of Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar had a seven-year spell where he lived in the field and ate grass, and spent seven years living like an animal. Y'all know the story? What you may not know is this. He was living like an animal, but the whole time he was still the king. Selah, Uh Shondiliandah. He was king the whole time he was eating grass. What he was going through didn't alter who he was. In the church, we have kings and queens in the kingdom of our God living like beasts. That doesn't alter who they are. But if you don't know who you is, you'll live like someone else. You're following me? When Nebuchadnezzar came to himself, he became king again. He had already, he'd always been. How many of you remember the story of the prodigal son? The son yearned to eat the food that the pigs were eating. The whole time he was a son of a wealthy father. But he lived a life that wasn't true to his identity. That's what we call having an identity crisis. And most Christians live lives of one identity crisis after the other because they believe the lie about who they used to be. They still are. And they negate what the Bible says that if you're in Christ, old things, plurality, old things, meaning everything connected with the old, that's dead, that's gone, it's buried, and behold, take a look. Ponder upon, all things are made new. So it doesn't matter where you come from, it doesn't matter your gender, it doesn't matter anything else, you are the blessed of the Lord. If you're in Christ, you're blessed. Now when that becomes your reality, it'll change your circumstances. Is this okay this morning? Hallelujah, Father. In Galatians chapter 2, listen to this. Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. You can be blessed, but live like you ain't. You Listen, you can negate the truth of who you are by unbelief, disobedience, and or tradition. But just because you negate the truth, you don't do away with the truth. You just are not benefited by the truth. You following me? In Galatians chapter 2, verse 21, in, in many translations, Paul said, I do not frustrate the grace of God, in the new american standard it says i do not nullify and i like that better i do not nullify the grace of god now in this particular setting what paul was saying is if i try to live according to the law and find my righteousness and my salvation in the good things that i do i nullify grace to so the word nullify means to make void and powerless now those who are trying to be what they already are and they're trying to become it by works, so they're nullifying what grace would do in their lives. They, they don't nullify grace itself. They just don't benefit from it. Right? If Paul said, I do not nullify grace, that means it's possible to nullify grace. It ain't smart, and we don't want to do it. Because, listen to me, grace can accomplish in one moment what you can't do in a thousand years of labor. If we'll let grace operate in our lives, God will promote us and increase us and bring us into places we never thought we could occupy. How do we cooperate with grace? By finding our identity in it. Right? So if If the Bible says we're blessed and the confession of our mouth is that we're something other than blessed, then we are nullifying grace. don't want to do that. Listen to this. Believe who you are. And be who you are. This is all. This isn't my sermon yet, because I'm going to be preaching on blessed to flourish, but I'm working my way there. Deuteronomy 28, verse 3. How many of you know this is in the Bible? Deuteronomy 28, verse 3. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the city. In the country. So, do I have to be in the city to be blessed? See, I don't have to chase prosperity because, well, in the cities where all the business is, your blessing is by being where God called you to be. So, I don't have to chase it because one of the things that we'll learn is prosperity chases blessed people. Wow. Blessed people don't chase prosperity, prosperity chases blessed people. Goodness and mercy will do what? Follow. How many days of your life? All the days of your life. If I don't bless no one else, I'm going to bless myself this morning. Hmm. Let me read you the same verse out of the New Living. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Now, let me say this about obedience. Obedience is and always has been a faith, not about perfection. The reason okay, I'm going let's can we go to Bible school for a moment? The reason the law was given was because the reason God demanded obedience is because he knew no one could obey. And the whole purpose of the law was not to bring about perfection. It was to reveal imperfection so that when grace and truth came in the form of Jesus Christ, people would fall at his feet and say, thank you for coming to deliver me from trying to live up to a standard I never could live up to. So obedience has always been of faith. You've heard me say this before. It's always been about loving God enough to trust God and trusting God enough to obey God. So, when the Bible says obey the Lord your God, it's not talking about perfection, it's talking about faith. Is this okay? How many of you have faith? Then you qualify. In fact, we know this that the Bible says it's not about us doing it because in Him, some of the promises are yes and amen. All of the in Him, all of the promises are yes, and that divine yes results in my hearty amen. amen. So I can't read not in Christ. I can't read not one promise and say that doesn't qualify for me. And neither can you, because in Christ we qualify for every single one of these promises. Y'all here this morning. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Verse 3 your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Do these sound like promises to you? Your fruit basket and your breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go, and whatever you do, you will be blessed. If we believe just one of these promises, we'd be blessed. See, for so long, you wonder where I come up with some of these Jimmyisms. For so long, we've allowed limited men who have limited God to limit us by their opinions, their suppositions, and their judgments. We listen to people with PhDs explain the Bible away and tell us why that's no longer true. No wonder Brother Hagen used to say PhD stands for post hole digger. I don't need an educated man to tell me why God ain't God no more. I need someone simple enough to believe the Bible and say this is what the Bible says. Let every man be a liar, but God will always tell the truth. Because in him there is no variableness and there's no shadow of turning. No matter what your field is, it's blessed. Now, if you and I, is this okay? If you and I live in an agricultural environment, what is a harvest to a farmer? Payday. So no matter what your field is, it's blessed. In fact, there is a verse in the Bible that says he will abundantly bless whatever you put your hands to. If you're a trash collector, Uh whatever you put your hands to, that's a vehicle God can make you rich collecting trash. Wherever you go, And whatever you do, you will be blessed. Listen to this. The Lord will conquer your enemies. The Lord. The Lord. No wonder you and I are commissioned and commanded by God to pray for those who abuse us and despitefully use us. Because if they knew who they were making an enemy of, they wouldn't do what they'd be doing. So you and I don't need to retaliate. We don't need to sink down to their level and come out of our high tower in order to fight with ground dwellers. You following me? They might aggravate, irritate, and frustrate, but don't become like them. Because if you'll hold your peace, the Lord himself will fight your battles. And this is what the Bible says right here. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they'll fall over themselves trying to get away from you and scatter in seven directions. I like this, verse 8. Remember, this is all I'm just establishing today's teaching. The Lord will guarantee... I just got to stop and let that sink in right there. The Lord will guarantee... In other words, he's saying, I'm going to stand behind this. In order for the blessing to fail, I have to fail. In order for the blessing to not be enough, you must encounter an enemy that is so great, I'm not enough. And until you encounter an enemy greater than God, until you encounter a darkness that's greater than light, until you encounter a sorrow that's greater than joy, then you've never encountered anything that you can't overcome. Because he said, I'll guarantee the blessing. I'll stand behind it. And listen to me, I'll make it good. All I'm asking of you is to believe my word is enough. My word is sufficient. Hmm. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do. And will fill your store. Listen to this, houses, houses, is, is, is. Meaning one ain't going to be enough. I'm going to fill your store houses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land He is giving you. When the blessed of the Lord obey the Lord, prosperity chases them. Everyone say this out loud in faith. I am am. the blessed of the Lord. Lord. That ought to be on the forefront of your mind. Every morning when you wake up, you ought to say, I'm the blessed of the Lord. Every time you encounter an obstacle, a complexity, a problem, a lion, a bear, a tiger, oh my. Whatever it is you encounter, the thing that ought to be the first thing that comes to your mind, not is, oh, my God, what am I going to do? It ought to be a bold confession of I am the blessed of the Lord. When you stand in front of the problem, your proclamation is I'm the blessed of the Lord. When Goliath comes and says, I'm going to take you out, you ought to look him square in the eye. He said, look down here for a minute, bro. Do you know who I is? I'm the blessed of the Lord. The blessing of God upon your life will make you bold. As bold as a lion. But we need to know, no matter what we're going through, no matter what comes against us, I told you, the blessing of the Lord does not negate the need to walk by faith. You'll still have to walk by faith. You'll still have trials and tests and temptations. But you'll have victory in every single circumstance. You understand what I'm saying? It'll change the outcome of the battle. No longer will you walk away bankrupt. No longer will you walk away broken. No longer will you come away from the battle scarred. Because you're the blessed of the Lord. And when you're the blessed of the Lord, you're unstoppable. There's no city that can withstand you. No enemy that can defeat you. No darkness that can overcome you. Hmm. No wonder the Lord repeated it over and over and over again. So many ways. Listen to this. So if the Bible says that I, as a believer, am blessed, then I, as a believer, believe that I am blessed. Let me, let me say something, okay? Can I just keep it real for a moment? If the Bible says something and you don't believe it, and I don't care why, how you justify. If the Bible says something and you don't believe it, You are an unbeliever. If the Bible says God is love and you think he's a God of hate because of tradition and what your previous pastor taught and what grandpa taught and grandma taught, then you, my friend, are an unbeliever. If the Bible says something of you and you won't believe it because of what you've been through or where you come from, or what you've experienced, I love y'all. But I say the same stuff to myself when I'm looking in the mirror. Do you know how many times I've looked in the mirror and said, Jimmy, you better straighten up, boy, because you're acting like an unbeliever. Because the Bible has called me blessed. But because of, see, you think you're the only one that's gone through hard times? Please. I could tell you stories of what I've been through that would make you cry. And I know you could do the same for me or to me see that's not relevant. what the only thing that's really relevant to you and I is what he says. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because that walking by faith means I'm walking by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And if God says I'm blessed, I step out of my house in the morning, declaring for all the world to hear, I am the blessed of the Lord and I am going somewhere to do something great. Yeah, right. My days of mediocrity are over. My days of misery are over because I'm, no, I'm not Nebuchadnezzar anymore. I'm not a king's kid eating grass. And I know that's healthy. But it still tastes bad. But I'm no longer going to live like an animal. Because if I'm a child of the king and the king has pronounced the blessing on me, then I want to explore just how far this blessing goes. Are you, are you all with me? We're going to do this journey together. Let's see what the blessing of the Lord. And oh, I got to hurry up because I want to show you in the Bible where it doesn't matter what your setting is. It doesn't even matter what your age is. If the Bible says I'm a blessed, then I believe I'm blessed. My belief alters my behavior. And blessed people are a bold people, a courageous people, a happy people. A blessed people change the world. Now we'll get into the message. Blessed to flourish. Go with me to Psalms, verse 92. Verse 12, Psalm 92, verse 12. Reading it to you out of the Passion translation it says this. Yes. Look how you've made all your devoted devoted lovers to flourish like palm trees. Each one growing in victory and standing with strength. Is it written? Then our uncertainty is unnecessary. Let me read the the rest of it out of the New American Standard. The righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green. To declare that the Lord is upright, He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Now, in these verses, we see some wonderful things. We see who, how, where, when, and why of flourishing. You remember David said in another another verse, another chapter, he said, I was young, and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed, begging bread. Now, in the Bible, there are two types of righteousness revealed. One is really no righteousness at all, yet it's the majority. It's self-righteousness. It's a righteousness that people derive from the uh, supposed good that they do. Paul said this about those, he said, you know, I I bear record of them that they have a great zeal for God. There's no doubting they love the Lord, but they don't base their walk with Him on knowledge. So they go about seeking to establish their own type of righteousness, which the Jimmy Miller version says is no righteousness at all. They're seeking to establish their own brand of righteousness because they're ignorant of God's way of making men righteous. That's self-righteousness. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 3. He said that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Come on. That's good. So when David, even though this is Old Covenant, David understood grace better than most modern day grace preachers. He had a revelation of grace. So you'll find in his writings, most of the Psalms weren't based on the law. In fact, David would really have very little to do with the tabernacle of Moses. I'm taking you all back to Bible school. David built what they called the tabernacle of David that operated at the same time, but apart. When we read about entering his courts with thanksgiving and praise, that was the tabernacle of David. Because you entered the tabernacle of Moses and you didn't say nothing. You come into the tabernacle of David, that's when you were dancing like crazy praise. So both were operating at the same time, and David's was prophetic of Jesus. So when David's talking about righteous, he's not talking about righteousness of the law. He's talking about righteousness that is imputed, just like Abraham's, by faith. I need you to understand this because you and I need to understand that you can make it on your own, but you will struggle and you will toil and you will suffer trying to get ahead. But the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of the things that the Gentiles go running after will be added to you. There's two ways of doing it. You can do it your way. Have at it. Or you can do it God's way and you can have your cake and eat it too. And it's gluten free. No calories, yet it tastes really good. I ain't talking about cake because I'm still on my fast. Now, when we talk about righteousness, something else we need to understand that as righteousness operates in our lives, There's two works of righteousness, and this is really important to understand because people get tripped up. There's the righteousness that results in justification, and there's righteousness that results in sanctification. Justification is instantaneous. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you're instantly justified. Now, sanctification is a process. Justification changes your nature. Sanctification changes your circumstances. The day that you gave your life to Christ, outside of your spirit, nothing changed. If you drove to church, let's say you got saved at church, maybe you got saved in a bar room, I don't know, bathroom. I know one man gave his life to Christ on the toilet. You can get saved anywhere you call out to him. But let's assume you did it at a church. If you drove a jalopy to church, gave your life to Jesus Christ, you were made instantly new, what did you drive home in? You were a new man in an old car. You were justified, but your circumstances had not yet changed. If on the, if the Saturday night before you went to church Sunday morning, the only thing in your refrigerator was Budweiser. When you went home, what was in your fridge? I don't think it had been changed to water. Okay, there's justification, that's instantaneous. Then there's sanctification. Sanctification, according to John Wesley, is growing in grace. Growing in the knowledge of who Christ is and who he's made us to be. That's a process. But as we grow in grace, and the proof of sanctification is not religiosity. It ain't about beehive hairdos and black suits. The proof of justification is that you finally learn how to walk in love when you walk in love. No matter what the provocation is, we know you sanctified. Now, as I grow in the knowledge of grace. I know who he is, who he's made me to be and how great his love is for me. That begins to change my externals. You okay? So there's, there's two works. They're distinct, but they operate in the same soul at the same time. One is instantaneous, and the other one we grow. Listen to what Peter said. Is this okay this morning? I'm trying to help you. Second Peter says this, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. You seeing that? Now go with me to 3 John. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. We're still talking about who will flourish. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Not your spirit. Your spirit's made righteous, as righteous as you'll ever be the moment you gave your life to Christ but in your soul, your emotions, your mind, your intellect, and your will you grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and as your soul becomes prosperous so does your externals. Why? Because you quit thinking like a poor man, you quit thinking like a sick man, you quit thinking like a minority, and you start thinking like a majority, you start thinking all things are possible for you and that everything you put your hand to will prosper and your expectation in life is no longer misery, your expectation in life becomes victory. Why? Because I used to be broke, but I ain't broke no more. I used to be sad. I ain't sad no more. I used to be sorrowful. I ain't sorrowful anymore. I used to be diseased. I ain't diseased anymore. What are you now? I'm the blessed of the Lord. Is is this okay? Just as means at the same time and at the same level. God's design is that we grow in grace and knowledge... We increase in resources so that we always know what to do with what we have. I said to you last week, one of the greatest benefits to the planet Earth is a righteous man or woman with unlimited resources. One of the greatest tragedies on Earth is an unrighteous man or woman with great resources. There's, no, there's practically no limit to the... Evil they can do the antidote to an evil person with great resources is not a devout broke person see we got to empty ourselves of religious thought we've all thought all I need is that little corner not if you want to change the world not if you want to touch the nations The antidote to an evil, unregenerate person with great resources is a kingdom-minded, righteous man with great resources. Everyone say, I am blessed to flourish. Mm. Where was I? Okay, how shall they flourish? Like the palm tree. "...which is constantly green and flourishing, and like a cedar, which is thick and strong. Where shall they flourish? In the courts of our God." This is the place where fellowship is and where God's words are heard. "...when shall they flourish? Their whole life, even into old age. They shall still bring forth fruit, full of life and very green." Why are they to flourish? To show that the Lord is upright and good. You know, the Bible says that your life is an epistle known and read of men. What is the story of our life saying about our God? There is a universal longing at the core of every human heart, it's a desire to thrive for blessedness designed for. Listen to this. Creation as God intended was in a state of flourishing. In the garden, there was no death. God doesn't delight in death. In the garden, there was no decay. You know, there wasn't one tree falling over, rotting in the garden. There were no dead rose bushes. Which is proof I wasn't there. Because I have an uncanny ability to kill healthy plants. No, that's not the confession of my mouth anymore. It's been my history, though. I've killed indestructible plants. I'm proof you can kill a plastic plant. But the confession of my mouth now is everything I touch flourishes. Amen? It's all about change. Change. In the garden, there was no decay. God doesn't delight in decay or ruin. Listen to this. God finds no joy in failure, fatigue, and frustration. He delights in prosperity. It's in the Bible. Once again, I'm tired of people explaining away why the Bible isn't so. You see, because you know what religious people want to do? They want to make God in their image so that they can justify their misery, their poverty, and their ignorance. But we weren't meant to make God in our image. We weren't meant to make the Bible fit our life. We were meant to break ourselves against the rock so that He can remold us and be the potter who makes the clay into something glorious. The blessing of the Lord equips you to flourish Genesis chapter 1, verse 22, and don't get impatient, I'm almost there. Almost is a relative term. A thousand years is as a day. Genesis chapter 1, verse 22, God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. And fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. God is a God of increase. You've heard me say before, the kingdom doesn't downsize. And our culture downsize and many mansions and all of that. That's cultural, not kingdom. In the kingdom, he believes big. Read about heaven. Ain't nothing in heaven small. Well, pastor, that's heaven. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, you know, Pastor, that has its limits, says the small minded, ignorant person. What are the limits? Where did Jesus put limits on that? Did he not say, Thy will be done? Did he say part of his will? Did he say only the religious, spiritual side of his will? No, he said thy will. What is God's will? Read the word and find out. It's God's will that none perish. It's God's will that you prosper and be in health. It's God's will that your soul prosper. It's God's will that you flourish. It's God's will that even in old age, you're green and full of sap and you're producing fruit. What is God's will? It ain't what the majority has said it is. Being fruitful means bring forth increase, to grow, to flourish. Now jump down to verse 27, Genesis 1. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, and God blessed them. This is right after creation. This is the reason why I say the blessing is your natural state. There's no longer some war between the curse and the blessing. Look at me. In the book of Genesis, you will not find it written. Behold, I've set before you today life and death, the blessing and the curse. That ain't in Genesis. That's after sin. Before sin, you never find the curse mentioned. Hello? before sin entered in you never find god saying and god created them and said i bless you and i curse you you choose which one you want no it said god bless them as soon as they opened up their eyes they opened up their eyes to blessing the blessing is your natural state in the war put it away Proclaim victory over death. Proclaim victory over the curse. For Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law, having become a curse for you. Hallelujah. Thank Thank you, you, Lord. You have more in common with Adam in Genesis than you do the Jews in Egyptian slavery. We find our theology in the Old Covenant. No, your theology ought to come from the New Testament. The stories and the life lessons are in the Old, but your identity is in the New. I'm not a slave trying to get out of slavery. I'm not struggling. I've got to renew my mind. To understand, I'm the redeemed of the Lord. I've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness. That means the kingdom of darkness with all of its ill and its wickedness and its sin and its sickness no longer has an influence in my life. That's right. This is the reason why Paul said, I consider myself dead to that. Do you know how many dead people get the flu? Do you know how many dead people are worried about the coronavirus? How many dead people struggle with poverty? How many dead people are stressed out? Paul said, I'm dead to all those things, but I'm alive to Christ. To me, to live is Christ. To live is Christ. And Christ in me is the hope of glory. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. But I ain't talking about cultural woke. I'm talking about kingdom woke. God bless them. I don't care who it is that tells me a citizen of the kingdom can be cursed. They're wrong. I don't care how big their church is. I don't care how many degrees they have. I don't care if they're the most highly apostolic, prophetic, potentate doctor. You ever notice how they got to add everything to their name? What's your name? I'm Apostle Prophet Dr. James John Billy Bob. You know what I learned long ago? Big dogs don't bark, little dogs have to. If you got to add all these titles to your name to make your word worth listening to, then your words ain't worth listening to. They asked Billy Graham one time, what do I call you? He said, how about Billy? (laughs) God blessed them and God said to them this. Y'all with me. Can you give me a few more moments? This is the very same voice that said light be and light was. The very same voice said blessed be fruitful. That's an irresistible voice. God said, the words that come out of my mouth will not return to me void. God said, be fruitful. When did he rescind it? The promises of God are without repentance. God never rescinded it. Even when sin entered in, he did not change his plan. He never repented of the words that came out of his mouth. I had someone ask me one time, Pastor, why do you always preach like that when people are missing? Because I don't care who's here. Or should I say, let me rephrase, I don't care who's not here. I learned long ago just to preach to those who are. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 31, still in Genesis 1. God saw all that he had made and behold. God, listen to this. God looked at a garden that was flourishing, a man that was blessed, and he said, now this, bro, is good. It is good for you to flourish. This is God's opinion. It is good for you to be blessed. It is good for you to have a good home, a good car, to be in health, have prosperity. It is good for you to be blessed, to flourish. That's what God said. And when it's all good, it ain't all bad. Think about that. That's kind of deep. I like that myself. When it's all good. It ain't all bad. Trying to wrap this up. To flourish. Listen to this. To grow. To thrive. To prosper. To do well. To develop. To increase. To multiply. To spring up. To shoot up. To bloom. To blossom. Bear fruit. Burst forth. This is what you are blessed to do. You're blessed to spring up, to shoot forth. There's no more boundaries, no more borders. Don't tell me about a glass ceiling, or don't tell me what you can't do because of your skin color. Because I'll tell you what you can do because of your kingdom. Kingdom trumps ethnicity. Kingdom trumps gender. Kingdom trumps background. And I'm not making a political speech because it ain't about a man unless that man's name is Jesus Christ. The most important thing is that you're a citizen of the kingdom and now all of the promises have a divine yes. What is the opposite of flourish? And I will hurry this up, even if i got to finish up next week. The opposite of flourish is to die, to wither, to decline. This is why I believe in all of my heart none of us can stop ourselves from growing old, but we certainly don't got to grow decrepit. We don't have to. Listen to this this is what the master said in John 15. When your lives bear abundant fruit, You demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my father. Even Jesus was saying, listen, I'm giving you the ability to do what they were supposed to do in the beginning. When your lives bear abundant fruit. You reveal that you're my mature disciples and you glorify my father. God wants you to flourish. Everyone say that. God wants me to flourish. God takes no delight in your misery. God takes no delight in your pain. Say it again. God. Selah, think about that. God, he wants you to flourish. He withholds no good thing. Listen, I'm going to wrap this up When we serve other people with our God given gifts, talents, time, resources, we help them flourish. Because flourishing is never just about me. It's about us. We are meant to flourish as a community of kingdom people. Knowing God is glorified when his creation flourishes. Listen to this. We work for the flourishing of others out of a gratitude and a desire to spread his glory throughout the earth. So what does flourishing look like? It's when the wilderness becomes fruitful. It's when justice dwells. It's when righteousness abides. It's when people live peacefully. Flourishing is happiness. It's joy. It's a fullness of life. It's wholeness. It's abundance. Flourishing seeks the welfare of the city, not its destruction. It promotes the common good. It radiates God's kingdom on earth. Flourishing is a thriving farm, a booming city, a cure for disease, a new technology, a beautiful song, a vibrant street mural. It's a loving family. It's a fun friendship. It's a deep relationship with God. It's living as an image bearer of our Creator. Flourishing means becoming everything we were created to be. Nowhere in the Bible are we granted the right to retire from life and play golf until we die. if you've ever played golf, you would know why. We are all commissioned by God to engage in good works, to keep bearing fruit. Now, the fruit you bear isn't for you, it's for others. An apple tree produces apples, but apple trees don't eat apples. Fig trees produce figs, but fig trees don't eat figs. No wonder the only place in the Bible that it says, you ask and you have not. Because there's other places in the Bible says, ask whatsoever you will, and it'll be granted to you that your joy would be made full. But there is one place where it says you ask, but you do not have. Why? So that you would, because you ask with the motive of consuming it yourself. Mm -hmm. Apple trees produce apples, but they don't eat them. Mm -hmm. See, you and I need to understand having a kingdom mindset means I bear abundant fruit, but the fruit I bear is for others to consume so the fruit I bear whatever that is is for you and the fruit you bear is for me and our prosperity comes from you following me so when I bear fruit and it blesses you together we flourish Last two things. Someday this will all end. But in the meantime, we've got work to do. Until he returns, God keeps calling us to do our part and bringing about the flourishing of the world. We're called to help each other flourish. And whether that's by word, by deed, by investment or involvement, you are commanded by God to help me flourish. Bear fruit. Knows I'm hungry. <laughs> I need what you have, and I'm commanded by God to bear fruit for you. In the days to come, as we I'm going to show you that the blessing of God is the very first social networking. Facebook is not the first social networking. <laughs> the kingdom of our God, or the blessing of God is because the blessing of God connects us all. It's what binds us together. This is the reason why when we separate from the family of faith, we live as if we were cursed. Because the blessing abides in the community of faith. People that get offended and separate themselves, they plummet. And it's not until they come to themselves and say, you know what, I'm going to go back to where I was eating good. Last verse, and then we'll go. Proverbs 11, verse 28. He who trusts in his riches, not he who has riches. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like the green leaf. Stand to your feet this morning. I hope I gave you something to think about. Yes, sir. I want you to close your eyes and lift your hands. And let's say this together because there are some of you in here i know this by my spirit you've been living far below your level you've been struggling in places you need not struggle and you've been struggling far longer than you ever should have the wonderful thing about god One of the many wonderful things is he can make up for lost time. I call it the Amos anointing. He can actually cause it to where the reaper overtakes the sower. So we're going to pray two things this morning as a body. If it fits you, it fits you. And if it doesn't, then you're praying for the person that it does. Let's say this together. Father, by by your spirit and through your word open up my, up my eyes help me, help me to, see to see myself as you as you, as you, do. As you do and father i repent, father, I repent. For, unbelief. for unbelief i repent father of fear I and i embrace my identity in christ I am who you have made me to be. Me to be. Now, Father, Jesus name, now, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you, I ask you make, up time, make up for lost time so that nothing would be missing, nothing would have been stolen, nothing broken. I pray and ask In Jesus' name, make all things the way they ought to be. Flourishing, blessed, I declare in Jesus' name, I'm the blessed of the Lord. And everything and everyone who has anything to do with me, they're blessed. They're blessed by coming into my presence. Things work out for them, so that it brings increase to me. I'm the blessed of the Lord, and things work for me. Things prosper in my hand, and I lack for nothing. All of my investments bring increase. I don't lose, and I can't be stolen from. In Jesus' name. Now give him a hand clap as if you believe that. Hallelujah. All right. Greet one another. Tell someone, look them in the eye and tell them they're blessed. And then you're free to be dismissed in Jesus' name.